Guard Alex Lewis hits the NFI list as we get closer to that mystery. And the public may have gotten it wrong initially. The main battle for Joe Douglas is to build slowly and through the draft. But the other battle deals with a common misconception. And the Jets matchup this weekend against the Las Vegas Raiders is actually a favorable one when you look at the coaching and the personnel. Sable Radio, two days Friday before the Jets host the Las Vegas Raiders, and I will call them Oakland. There's no question, I will make that mistake over under three times um, on this podcast. Uh, bet on the under. I think uh, I'm thinking about it long enough right now where it won't be four or even three, but we shall see. Interestingly, the Raiders present a decent matchup for the Jets. It's not what fans want to hear. All they want to hear is 0-16 Trevor Lawrence and move on. And is that the best for the future? No question about it. Does Joe Douglas know that's the best of the future? No question about it. But Douglas, Gase, they're trying to win games. These players, they are trying to win games. There's no question about it. You know, as Jerry Glanville once said, it's the not-for-long league. There's only 16 games in a season, and each one is precious. These guys are independent contractors. Remember, every single game is critical for their careers, coaching, playing, front office, otherwise. So while Douglas knows how valuable that number one pick is, these guys are trying to win. I mean, the best Douglas could do, Honestly, this was my only thought recently about what Douglas could do. When you look at history, it's tough to win when the quarterbacks are constantly changing. A couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, we didn't think Darnold was going to miss the game after KC. You know, he, he re-aggravated that shoulder injury. We thought he'd be fine to come back. Surprisingly, he wasn't. That's the only instance where I could see, okay, maybe maybe they're playing it cautious. Maybe Douglas and Gase decided to hold him back, get Flacco in there, and then Darn will be back in a couple weeks. Other than moves like that, there's no really route there's no real hard route to tanking purposefully. It just doesn't happen. So we'll talk about that. The matchup, which is a good one in my eyes for the Jets this Sunday. Raiders aren't that good. We first start with Alex Lewis. Alex Lewis. First sign of trouble was last Friday. When he was listed as a limited participant but didn't practice. Then he was scratched. Elfline played Sunday. In the loss against Miami. Gase was coy on Wednesday. Monday, obviously, conference call. Then Wednesday, then Thursday. Said he didn't want to comment on it, non-football, non-injury related. And, you know, the whole world's going to jump. Gase put himself in this position. The Jets put themselves in this position where the whole world's going to jump. 
But, you know, the crazy reports coming out about Flacco, the fights in parking lots, who knows? It's just everyone wants to be first to report something. It's, it's silly. What it is, what we know, is he's been placed on the NFI list, non-football list, non-football injury list, and he's dealing with personal problems. Now, the source, one of the sources from Samini says that an eyewitness saw Lewis frustrated and yelling at Gase. If this is true, you know, so be it. And if this is a, if this is true, uh, a slight tip of the cap to Gase for handling it properly. Uh, the Jets said they did not want to comment on it earlier this week because they reached out to the NFL because they knew it was a personal problem relating relating to Lewis. So until they heard back from the NFL, they weren't going to comment, weren't going to say anything. Finally, today on the conference call, Gase he revealed what's going on. So Elf line in there again at left guard and credit the Jets. If there was truly no wrongdoing on the part of Gase or the organization and Lewis, uh, you know, lost it, uh, you know, in a moment based on frustration, 0 and 11, Jets, Jets played it right. Douglas front office organization did the right thing. Keep it under wraps. Don't out, out your player in any way and do the right thing for him. And that's what it appears to be, which is good news. And you you may blow it off. You may think it's not anything big, but agents remember this stuff. Players remember this stuff. You know, this is the sort of stuff that when a player comes to an organization, or like Belichick, remember how he was speaking so highly of the Giants. He always speaks highly of the Giants. How everyone in the organization is great. And everyone in the organization, when they get there, they never leave because it's so great. Stuff like that. It sticks to the ribs. It sticks to the minds of many people. So in t- from that uh, viewpoint, solid job by the Jets here. Injury report. Alex Lewis, obviously, did not practice all week. He's out. Other than that, they're relatively healthy. George Fant, he's going to play, it looks like, limited over the last two practices. Elf line as well. Uh, so regular offensive line look with Elf line in for Lewis. Getting Fant back will be huge. Darnold is full participant. Uh, Franklin Myers and Gore did not practice Thursday. Yeah, Gore was just standing around. Thursday, Gore was just standing around without pads, just uh, shadowing his running back positionals and teams. That This is pretty much a routine now. This is once a week where Gore doesn't practice. And a little side note here. I'm not a huge fan of that. I understand why the Jets do it. It's a necessity for Gore at this point, no question. I understand why Gase does it. From a coaching standpoint, I'm just not a fan. You don't ever want to treat one of any of the 53 people, well, count practice squad, but 53 sounds so good because it's been around forever. You don't want to treat any one of your players differently. 
you know, back to Belichick. Think of Tom Brady. He didn't treat Brady differently. Were there instances? Of course. But you don't want it to be a routine where the guy's sitting out one practice a week. You don't want that to be routine. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter what you've accomplished, what you've done. Brady takes it on himself. He wants that situation. He wants to be yelled at. He wants to be chastised. He wants to be one of 53. So from that standpoint, I'm not a fan. Don't like it, but I understand it. Jets come in relatively healthy, other than the guys on the IR. Um, Raiders will be without safety Jonathan Abram, who I've liked. He has not played well this year, I don't think. But I've liked coming out of college. I like his energy. It's a semi-decent big loss heading into the game. Uh, Raiders will also be without Josh Jacobs, big running back. That's huge. Normally, you know, the, missing a running back is not that big in the NFL. You can plug and play. If your offensive line gets it done, okay, you're fine. Josh Jacobs and the Raiders are different. His running style is unique and it fits Gruden's power scheme. You know, Gruden, of course, he'll run zone concepts. Everyone does. Thank Shanahan for that and Terrell Davis. But he's he's an old school offensive mind. A lot of gap principles, a lot of power stuff, tosses. You don't see many tosses these days. Gruden still runs it with the traditional 21 personnel with a fullback. It's tailored to Jacobs in a lot of ways. So without Jacobs, it's a big deal. Uh, Clellan Farrell was the other one who's going to miss. I don't see him on the injury report. He must have hit IR or the COVID list. Uh, Schefter reported that. And that's another big, big loss. So if I haven't scared you already, continue to get more scared. Because this matchup, I I really, really... I mean, of course, am I picking the Jets to win? No shot. No chance. Gun to my head. Save my life. I'm picking the Raiders. But Oakland, there's one. Vegas. Vegas, you know, their matchups, their personnel, their coaching, it's it's a break for Sam Darnold and the Jets this week. Also, th- this Raiders team is just not that good. Uh, Gase revealed also today, or was it yesterday? I, I forget. Their days are running into each other. That the Jets also liked Rugs, Henry Rugs, in the draft. Uh, there were a lot of reports, but they felt they couldn't pass up Mackay Becton. Joe Douglas knows what he's doing. You don't take a receiver in the first round with such a re- loaded receiver class, and when you haven't drafted a first round offensive lineman in 14 years as a franchise, you just don't do it. So they grabbed Becton, got Mims, who I think is every bit as good as Ruggs. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But this team isn't isn't that great. Derek Carr, he's got sparkling numbers this year. Only four picks, I think uh, at least 16 touchdowns. So his TD to interception rate is really good. I know he's a two or three time pro bowler, but I just don't think he's that good. In a, in a world, in a league with so many quarterbacks who put up stats, you really have to separate yourself. And to me, Carr just has never done that. He uh, Because of Gruden's offense, he throws downfield a lot. But 
he sort of fits the Darnold mold to me where he's also really satisfied to dump it off, to get it away quickly in certain situations where you just should not do that. Uh, of course, Jason Winton, strange seeing him on Vegas. Uh, their offensive line is very big. It's very old school. It's not a quick offensive line. Okay, that's Gruden again, that old power running game combined with the West Coast offense. Defensively, they're not a big sack team. I think they're second to last in the league in sacks per game. Uh, we'll look up those stats pretty soon, but they're not a big sack game, uh, sack team, and that helps the Jets' offense tremendously. What hurts Darnold the most is pressure. Since the ghost game against the Pats, uh, the Jets not doing the right thing by him with the offensive line. Anytime there's pressure, he just gets happy feet. He looks to break the pocket. That's his biggest issue. And if Paul Gunther's defense can't generate pressure, especially without Farrell, you know, Max Crosby is a nice player, but, you know, they're just not getting it done this year. Their linebackers aren't that great either. Uh, Darnold could have daylight in terms of breaking out a little bit. I, I don't see him putting up a Ken O'Brien 1986 against the Dolphins game, but you get the idea. This is the sort of defense that he could have success against. And Gunther is interesting. I don't think he's ever crossed paths with Greg Williams. Gunther got brought into the NFL by um, Marvin Lewis when he was the DC in Washington after Baltimore. He didn't get the head coaching job. Uh, went from D went from defensive coordinator in Baltimore in 2000, then to Washington, then the head coaching job in Cincy brought Gunther over to Cincy eventually became his DC the last two or three years. Gunther and Gruden both are sort of like Gase and Greg Williams. You know, these are the four guys who control the four units and what we're going to see Sunday offense, defense, offense, defense. They're all old school guys. I think, I mean, Gase is the youngest. Gunther, he might be close to 50. Any other two? I don't even know how old Gruden is, to be honest. Chucky, what was he, seven? But these guys are all old school guys. Gase is still running an offense of a decade ago, 12 years ago, pre-Wildcat pre-college influence, you know, pre-any kind of edge pressure principles, you know, hardly any jet motion. Gruden, same thing. It's an even older offense. Yes, do, do both try to adapt a bit? Yeah, and Gruden does it a little more than Gase, but still, old school minds that haven't fully entrenched themselves in what's happening today in today's league. Same goes for Greg Williams and Gunther. A lot of Tampa 2, a lot of too deep. I'm thinking of Gunther right now. A lot of soft coverages when, you know, it's really not the norm in today's league. And against the Jets, you don't want to do that. You want to play single high. You want to press on the outside and dare the offense to beat them. Dare Darnold to make a play. Dare the receivers to come up with a nice release and get safer, get separation. So if Gunther doesn't make that adjustment and continues to play his regularly soft defense, and he blitzes too, don't get me wrong. He blitzes, but from a coverage standpoint, uh, 
they're soft at times. Uh, they're good against their run. They can't rush the passer. They can't really cover. And their corners, although they, you know, they look good on paper, Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett, the rookie from Ohio State, they're really not getting it done. Uh, PFF, cornerback grades, Xavier Howard, Jets fans know him from last week. Bryce Callahan, a lot of Jets fans wanted the Jets to sign him when he was a free agent a couple years ago, two or three years ago. I forget when. There's Brian Poole, ninth. But Mullen and Arnett are nowhere to be found on this list. Uh, Kevin King, Green Bay, is number 49 with a 61.7 grade. And for the podcast, only people, I said Howard at the top. He's the top-rated corner, 86.6. Bryce Callahan of Denver, 84.1. And then you get to Brian Poole, who's tied for eighth, 77.1. He'll be out for the rest of the season, obviously. Their two corners are just not really getting it done. And where do they grade out? Not good. Trayvon Mullen, 58.9. Damon Arnett, 50.7. Fourth out of the qualified four corners for the Raiders. You know, their secondary is struggling. I think there's a lot more talent there than the production, but that's because of the pass rush. The pass rush is not hitting home. And Gunther really, he's like Greg Williams, where he wants to stop the run to a point where it hinders the overall defense a bit. You know, the old school defensive mind is stop the run and we'll take our chances against the pass. That worked in a non-pass happy league. In today's league, you got to be more hybrid. You have to think both. You have to play it like a chess match and and, uh, outthink the other guy. It's just, it's more drastic in that regard. So what the Jets could do when they come out will be interesting. I, I think they'll try to run the ball early, as they normally do, and to a lot of success early. You know, they do pretty well, especially on first down. Uh, even against the Niners in week two, they rushed the ball great on first down. Second down and third down is where they struggled. They didn't take advantage of those first and short situations. Uh, Gase always thinking about managing the chains. Same thing with Gruden. It flies in the face of today's league where offensive play callers are trying to avoid third down. Gase and Gruden want to get to third and short. The new age guys coming from college want to avoid third down. That's the difference. Sacks per game. Where does Vegas rank? 1.1, 31st in the league. Jacksonville is the only team that's worse at one a game. Jets are at 1.6 a game. It's it's a, it's a good matchup. The receivers could beat these corners. Abrams is out. The linebackers aren't great, and the pass rush isn't great. Raiders' defense stinks. Now, the Raiders' offense is a bit better. And the Raiders will score points against this Jets defense. There's no question. Bryce Hall helps. He'll do his thing on one side. Quinn Williams, John Franklin Myers. They'll have to try to get to Carr. But I expect it to be a high-scoring game. And as long as Darnold shows life, the Jets offense could do something against this Raiders defense. Now, at 0-11, there's no defending the Jets right now. They deserve every bit of the laughing stock perception that, well, it's not even a perception, really. I mean, it is, but it's 
It's a spot-on perception. It's reality. They deserve it. A decade of poor drafting. Idzik McCagnan. uh, Hiring the wrong head coach. They put themselves in this position. However, shaking this laughingstock perception is half of Joe Douglas's battle. I mean, think about it. If you were dropped in on this earth in t- on the night of Thanksgiving 2012, you would have thought the Jets organization had never won a game in their entire life. This was a team that went 8-8 eight and eight the year before and went to back-to-back AFC title games in the past three years. The buff fumble happens, and it's laughing sock all over again. They're the rich Kotite Jets in 2012. And although they were bad, what were they, 6-10 and 10 that year, I think? They didn't deserve that sort of treatment, and that's always the battle for the Jets. That's half the battle. Douglas knows this. It's, it's, the, it's the media capital of the world, New York. You're going to get more praise than you deserve when things are good. You're going to get more blame than you deserve when things are bad. What do you do? You try to minimize leaks. You minimize headlines. And you build it the slow, correct way. And that's what he's doing. And eventually, the media could turn into a positive once things are rolling. But when it's a negative and when it's this bad, it's bad. The problem is the perception is always off. You know, why are the Jets always the worst? They're not always the worst. Have they been great over their, you know, how many years is it now? 60 years of existence? No. They're probably in the bottom third of the league. Easily, based on record, playoff appearances, and so on. But when thinking about recent history... They're not as bad as other teams. And the, to hear Trevor Lawrence be discouraged by media members to stay in school, like Mike Greenberg, uh, you know, if it's the Jets, to avoid them, Stephen A. Smith, uh, a couple other people, I forget who, Dominique Foxworth. It's ridiculous to just bring up the Jets. The Jaguars are one game behind. They have been historically much worse And only because the Jets are in New York, it's always the Jets. The Jets just stand out. It doesn't really make any sense. Uh, We know why it's the case. Because of New York. Everything's blown up. But this is part of the battle. And this is part of the battle general managers have to deal with when coming to New York. Uh, The Cowboys, they're number four right now. You know, I wrote something that the great fear is Lawrence power playing his way to the Cowboys. I don't think it's reality. I don't think it's likely to happen, but that's the great fear of all the teams. He's not going to do it to the Jags. You know, the Bengals have Burrow. Uh, Other situations, they're pretty locked up. Giants are winning the division right now. But Dallas, for a kid from the South, it, it has to be a fear for Jeff Vance in the back of your head. But when speaking to Dallas... This team has made the playoffs nine times since 1998. Jets have made it seven. 
they haven't played in one NFT championship game that whole time since 98, since their great teams of the 90s. Why always the Jets? Jets have made three AFC championship games during that time. Won seven playoff games. Bengals made the playoff seven times since 1998, just like the Jets. They haven't won a playoff game since 1990. Boomer Esiason. Icky Woods, although he might have been dealing with injury by then. He had a short career. You know, where was the Joe Burrow should have avoided the Bengals chatter a year ago? I didn't hear it. Not to this level. With Lawrence and the Jets. Where was it? Because Burrow's a hometown guy? No one in the media is going to say, hey, Burrow, avoid this clown show of an organization. And of course, I know there were instances of that but not to the level of Lawrence to the Jets. Not even close. Cardinals made the playoffs five times since 1998. Where was the mutiny? Believing Kyler Murray should avoid that franchise two years ago. Wasn't around. Baker Mayfield, Browns, Lions, Washington. Doesn't matter. The Jets are always the worst. Butt fumble coming off three, you know, Two really good years, and then that third year was 8-8, eight and eight, the Victor Cruz play. Giants went off, win their second Super Bowl during that era. They were in the upper third of the league at that point, and they're the worst. That's what Douglas is fighting against, and the only way to beat it is to tune out the noise, don't play into any games, don't let people play more games, Don't give them ammo to play more games and build it the slow, proper way. Build the infrastructure, gather the talent, and take the hit and hold your heart while people, you know, snipe fire down from their high and mighty post. And then hopefully on the other side, you come out looking like roses. That's the only way. You know, I remember I remember Mike Francesa, he used to destroy the Jets during the Rex Ryan era, even in 2009, with how lucky they were, Peyton Manning. And did Rex put his foot in his mouth? Of course. But Francesa, he couldn't take it. It irritated him to no end. He was right with Idzik in 2013 and 2014. That initial press conference was not what you were looking for. But again, Francesa... Just like everyone else, the Jets are always the worst, even when they're not. The last thing we'll quickly touch on, Sam Darnold. You know, you got to feel for the kid. Uh, he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since the indie game, the Braxton Berrios play. Um, if you're watching the video, you see a picture. Darnold's being hugged tight by Ryan Fitzpatrick after the contest last Sunday. Darnold actually played, I did a film review, he was terrible, but he actually played better than I thought earlier in the game. The first drive was solid, the third drive was okay. After that, it was just awful. Awful. And Gase can't be blamed for it all. There's no way. You know, a good quarterback 
with a mind that could read defenses, that could overcome certain tough situations, will play better than Darnold's been playing. That, that's just the bottom line. Do I put most of it on Gase and the Jets organization? Yes. They are the top culprits for Sam Darnold's situation. But Darnold is culpable as well. He's just been terrible. However, through it all, I mean, think about how demoralizing it has to be for him right now. Drafted out of USC, third overall, take New York by storm. Everyone loves you. You're going to be the future. You know, you're going to be the the savior, Sammy savior. And now this demoralized state. Solid rookie year. Statistically speaking, he had a better second year under Gase. Yeah, you know, this is despite the ghost game against New England. Yeah, you know, despite Jacksonville, Miami, the, so many bad games, yet he had a better statistical year, sec, his second year, his third year, and the first two years he battled a terrible offensive line in front of him. His third year, it, when it rains, it pours. And that's pretty much what's happened. And what's concerning is he's playing so bad. And I know he has a shoulder injury. Uh, His other injury was an ankle. Then he had mono, which won't happen for another 150 years in the NFL, most likely. I mean, that's amazing in its own right. But, you know, the shoulder, despite the shoulder, he he should be playing better. He's got receivers. He's got a decent offensive line. He should be playing better. Gase is not, yeah, his, he could do a lot more to help Darnold, uh, you know, generate open guys, but Darnold's just not reading defenses. It's just that simple. Despite all this, and, and the big thing, all this Lawrence talk, it seems to be getting to him, and that's a bad sign. You know, think about him in this world dominated by smartphones and technology. Credit Darnold for not having Twitter, not getting involved in social media, but... How could you ever avoid the Trevor Lawrence talk to the Jets if you're Darnold? You'd have to be a monk. Or you'd have to get rid of technology altogether. You know, buy a hundred candles and get an outhouse. Put it in the backyard. It's impossible. So the fact he's playing this badly during a year where, you know, the public sentiment has moved on from him is a bad sign. It's a bad sign for his uh, psyche and just the, just the way, uh, just his intestinal fortitude, his mindset. Is it hard enough? Is it strong enough? I'm not saying that's the case, that it isn't, but it's not a good sign that this year he's putting up the worst year imaginable. But despite all of that, what you can't say about Darnold is that He's ever done a bad, wrong, wrong thing while with the Jets. He hasn't taken one misstep. He is the classy quarterback, the classy professional quarterback. He's just, everything he does, everything he says, and you can even tell this week, he is demoralized. He's just, you know, he's under a huge wave in the ocean right now and he can't escape. It's killing him. But he never throws anyone under the bus. He never throws Gase under the bus. He never throws teammates under the bus. He always puts it on his own shoulders. And Gase also took some, uh, 
responsibility as well this week. Now, he's done it before in the past, many times, which goes overlooked. Avery Williamson injury comes to mind earlier in the year. He said it was my fault. He even said at the time uh, it was his fault, the Avery Williamson injury. But this is the first time where he's really done it with quarterback, with Darnold, with his bread and butter, his so-called bread and butter, the quarterback guru. And that's a sign that things are winding down. Five games left. But Darnold, quote, I take full responsibility for the way I've played. I haven't played well enough. End quote. He just, he's, he's got that Jeter-like mentality, and it's perfect for New York. He's just, he's just missing the biggest thing. You know, the ability to read defenses and, and play well on the field. Uh, here's the Gase quote. Quote, yeah, I came in here to help him develop, speaking of Darnold, help him develop his career, and we haven't been able to do that. That's why every game is so important. Keep trying to help him grow. Keep trying to help him develop and see things the way that he needs them. Uh, he needs to see them and play the way I've seen him play in certain games. End quote. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Uh, for those who think Gase is going to return next year, uh, you must be Knicks fans during the Isaiah Thomas era. Is it possible? Of course, you know everything's possible, but the Jets can't afford to do that. There's just no way. You know that's mu- very different than firing a guy in season. You know. Would it make a difference to fire Gase in season? Yeah, they they might actually win some games. Uh, does Douglas have full control over whether to fire Gase? I don't know. Could he want to when Christopher Johnson is nixing it? I don't know. Could they have a plan to finish the season out, finish these five games, and find their guy this January? I think that's likely. More Darnold, quote, I mean, we all talk, and obviously, whenever we lose, we all think we could do better, end quote. That was to the question of whether or not Gase shared his sentiment with Darnold, that he takes some of the blame. Quote, again, like I continue to say, every single week, we have great people in this organization. With that being said, everyone's going to take the blame for certain parts of us not winning games. For me personally, I've just got to play better and put the team in the right positions to be able to win games and make it close at the end. I mean, end quote. I mean, the guy says everything right. It's boring. Imagine reading these quotes and thinking you're going to be entertained. It's not Rex Ryan. That's for damn sure. Uh, One of the final questions was, uh, someone asked him, you know, how are you handling all this? How are you dealing with all this? Because it's a hard situation. It really is. Quote, I'm good. Obviously, losing sucks, but we've just got to continue to come in here every single day and put our best foot forward and go to work. End quote. What else can you say if you're the kid? This Sunday, he'll he'll have a chance to, uh, you know, put a good game forward. Raiders' corners aren't that good. Gunther doesn't impress me. The pass rush is not good. I can't speak for the Jets' defense, but for the Jets' offense... Uh, you know, they definitely have a chance to put points on the board. And the matchup 
you know, it, I wouldn't say it favors the Jets, but it's a nice looking matchup for the Jets in comparison to other games. Remember, they, they spanked the Raiders last year at MetLife. And this is another game that's at MetLife. I remember Jets and Raiders played all the time during the Herm Edwards era, and it was always in Oakland. And that doesn't count, that Oakland, because they were truly Oakland. So now it's always in Jersey. It's just shaken out that way. Um, they Jets play the AFC West this year, so in three years, they're, they'll be slated to play in Vegas. They could obviously match up again over the next two years, but it's got to fall, fall in the right position. Next year, I don't know which division they'll play, but the AFC West, the, the fourth-place Jets will play the fourth-place AFC West team that could still be the Raiders, but most likely won't be. It'll either be Denver or L.A. So next year, no Raiders-Jets, most likely, in three years in Vegas. But Darnold, decent matchup. This is the home stretch. Five more games. Five more games to Trevor Lawrence. I still remain suspicious that they'll go in 16. I think a win or two could come to the Jets' future. But we'll see. We'll let it play out and uh, see what happens. This Sunday from MetLife, Jets Raiders. Uh, check out JetsXFactor.com, uh, Android, Apple, applications. Subscribe for free. And uh, check out all the good stuff at JetsXFactor.com. YouTube as well with film reviews. Blue It has a film session coming out tonight. It'll probably be up tomorrow morning at some point. And uh, that'll carry us into the game Sunday. Until next time.